This is episode number three. My name is Derek Sutherland. As always, I'm here in a very cold and previously snowy Richmond, Kentucky. I'm joined with my co-host Sticks out in Phoenix, Arizona. Sticks, I know you didn't get as much snow as we did out in Arizona as we did here in Kentucky this past week, but uh, how was your Christmas, buddy? Had a pretty good Christmas. Uh, Mom and sister were in town. Uh, They just left yesterday. We went, went to a place called Sedona, Arizona. I'd never really heard of it um, until I moved out here. It is absolutely beautiful. Did a pretty cool hike called Devil Bridge. Uh, went Walked out on this little, you know, bridge that's like suspended 100 feet in the air. Pretty cool. Yeah, I've pretty heard cool. of Sedona. I, like I said, I, we've talked about this before. I've been out to Arizona. I, I, I've heard of Sedona. I never got to go out there. Is that where Lake Havasu is? You know, I don't think it is. I think Lake Havasu is a little bit farther away. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, but I've my cousins are actually supposed to go there for New Year's. So actually, yeah, I've ne- like I said, I've never been there, but I've heard that Sedona is a pretty cool place. But uh, j- what, tell me what Santa got you for Christmas. You said you wanted that $600 check. It looked like he uh, might have done one better, and he might be giving you two grand. So what did he get you so far? So uh, we celebrated a little while ago, uh, but got a nice little $100 gift card. A few other things. I'm trying to decide. I'm in a dilemma whether I should get some AirPods, Ray-Bans. I got both of them last year for Christmas, lost both of them. I'm not <laughs> trying to do that again. Yeah, no kidding. I actually uh, I actually just got – I did get AirPods for Christmas. I used them today officially for the first time, not testing them out, and I'm a big fan of them. I use them when I'm at work and stuff, just kind of doing my own thing. So big fan of the AirPods. I also got me a new Apple Watch, uh, the Series 5. Hey. Yeah, I, I had the Series 3. I got the Series 5, so that's pretty cool. Other than that, I mean, obviously I had a great Christmas. I got some homemade quilts and pillows and blankets that my mom and grandma uh, made for me, so that's always nice to have, especially in a year that's, you know, been so terrible. It's nice to have those things to keep with you for, you know, the, the foreseeable future there. All right, Sticks, so I want to start this off by talking about uh, – I heard a – a story that you would only hear come out of Georgia. Okay, are you ready for this? Fire away, brother. All right, so I, I don't know if Georgia is having a problem with the people that administer the coronavirus vaccine getting the vi- or getting the vaccine themselves, but whoever is overseeing this, whether it be the governor or the attorney general in Georgia, he, they are saying now any vaccinator, not person that gets vaccinated but the people administrating it any person in the state of georgia that administers the coronavirus va- coronavirus vaccine that gets the vaccine themselves will get a free waffle house gift card what i mean is there a better incentive a free waffle house i mean that's only something you'd see in georgia that's that's what i'm saying but i mean if i'm if i'm in georgia i think i'm getting it just for that you know 
Because you so, know, you know, Waffle House has to be the number one restaurant in Georgia. Oh, it's got to be up there. You, you think <laughs> it's bigger than Cracker Barrel? Oh, for sure. Especially in Georgia. I mean, if we talk like New York, probably not. But in Georgia, it's got to be way up there. Now, is Waffle House from Georgia? You know, I don't know. I don't know where Waffle House is from, but I think, in my opinion, I think they just said, you know what? These people at 3 a.m. after getting this shot are going to need some Waffle House, and we'll go ahead and take care of that for them. Like, the people that are going to Waffle House at 3 a.m., are they the type of people you think are more susceptible to probably be going out and getting wild and need the vaccine? You think that's got something to do with it? Yeah, probably, but also I don't know that the people that are going to Waffle House at 3 a.m. are the ones that are, you know, scared of the virus and are going to get the shot anyway. Hey, hey, good for these people. I hope they all get their free Waffle House. I, I, I personally would love that. I, I, that would make me get the vaccine. So that is awesome. All right, That's so pretty wild. Yeah, good story, right? All right. Unreal. So getting into some sports, uh, last week – we said we were going to try to keep it around an hour. It ran an hour and a half. So we'll see if we can't narrow it down a little bit more again this week. Try to get close to that hour mark. So, Sticks, where do we want to start? We got some NFL, uh, college football, basketball, some NBA stuff, a little bit of UFC. What are we, what are we thinking today? Uh, so let's go ahead and hop into the NFL. Right. Uh, once again, we've been kind of rolling with that off the bat. So That works. I, I said last week that – I always have a hard time coming up with headlines from the NFL because, I mean, you can't talk about every single game in an hour, and honestly, a lot of the games aren't worth talking about. But this week is the most we've had, and it's our biggest section this week. So let's go ahead and knock that out. Let's go ahead and start with um, the – I think it was a Saturday night game this week. It was the Raiders and the Dolphins, and the Raiders absolutely blew it, Sticks. They were tied 16-16 to in the fourth quarter – the Raiders throw an 85-yard touchdown. They go up 22-16. to 16. A handful of plays later when the Dolphins get the ball, they score a 59-yard touchdown, putting them up 23-22. to 22. The Raiders then drive the entire length of the field, and this is where they start to blow it. Uh, there's about two minutes left, and they get down to like the five-yard line, and they run, and they have a chance to score a touchdown. Josh Jacobs uh, slides before the end zone to run some more time off the clock. They know they're in a scoring position, which makes sense if I mean, your defense is good. They end yeah. up getting held up. They kick the field goal with 19 seconds to go, puts them up 25 to 23 on the Dolphins. Seems like they made a good choice. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick throws the, the Hail Mary of all Hail Marys while getting his head ripped off for a 34-yard pass, which still probably keeps them out of – field goal range if he doesn't get his head ripped off and they throw the Look. face mask they throw the flag for the face mask and they add 15 yards on to the end of the throw which puts them at like the 20 so i mean they're obviously in field goal range they kick the field goal at the as time runs out and win the game 26 25 i mean honestly the throw was just incredible but the bigger takeaway for me from this game is if you're the Dolphins, you know, play out, you know, you got 10 wins, but so do four other teams going for the wild card. So someone's going to get left out. Now, going in that direction, they bench to a mid game again. 
must-win game, week 17. Who's getting a nod? Yeah. Fitzpatrick or Tua? I, I, I know Tua was a good quarterback at Bama. I, everybody's a good quarterback at Alabama. But I don't think he – in my opinion, Tua should have been sitting on the bench this entire year. I know the fans wanted to see it. That's why you do stuff. You draw revenue. Uh, I think you have to go with Fitzpatrick. I know he was 3-3 three and three when he got benched and two has been on a roll. But, I mean, it seems like every game they put him in at the end so he can go win it for him when Tua starts to slack. I don't think Tua is a he, – he's an average to slightly below average NFL quarterback. I don't know that he is any better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick just has that thing about him that his team plays well when he's in the game, a lot like you saw with Nick Foles and the Eagles a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean – if I'm the Dolphins, I'm starting Fitzpatrick. You know, this isn't the MLB. You know, you're not bringing in a starter and a closer. It, if There's a reason they're bringing Fitzpatrick into the games to win in these clutch situations. It's because you don't think Tua can get it done. And he's been – and Tua, he's been struggling recently, and he, he really was struggling in that game. And it, it made sense. I don't think anybody is knocking the, the coach for Miami right now for making that call. No, I mean, I wouldn't – I would. I mean, what they get – it's working, clearly. Uh, you know, 10-win Miami team that no one really thought at the beginning of the year. I mean, at least I didn't think so with a playoff team. But I just – I think Fitzpatrick's got to be the guy going into week 17. Yeah, he, and I, they've shown that they're not scared to change quarterbacks. So, if he starts stinking it up, there's nothing stopping them from putting two in, which – I mean, we could very well see, or we could see what we saw this week in two starts and then Fitzpatrick finishes it out again. I mean, if that's their plan and it's working, roll with it. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they got this must-win game this week and then, you know, rolling in the playoffs. My gut's telling me they're going to stick with Tua, but, you know, we'll see. And, and once It's you- a cool story. Yeah, and once you get into the playoffs, I mean, it's one thing to be switching your quarterback out in week 16, but once you get into the playoffs, you really need to have a bona fide starting quarterback and roll with somebody right or wrong. I don't think switching the quarterback 100 times in the playoffs is going to do anybody any favors. Yeah, no, I mean, you're going to – the locker room needs a guy. They need a leader. And, you know, they need to stick with a guy, put their foot in the ground. And eventually at the same time, you also got to see what two has got. Exactly. Uh, in the yeah, fourth I mean, quarter. I think going forward, Tua is going to be their guy, at least until they draft a new quarterback that's probably better. But until then, you got to roll with him. You got to get him comfortable. That way, going into next year, you can try to repeat this run and do better. You know, it's like they, they're trying to do it teams that are bad with a young quarterback like the Chargers are. You know, they're letting Herbert stay in there and go whether they win or lose the Dolphins on the other hand are trying to do that while also being afraid of losing to the point where they'll yank Tua when he's starting to struggle yeah well speaking of struggling quarterbacks uh, or teams with quarterback issues the the two teams right now that are possibly the worst in the NFL are on a two game win streak. We got the Bengals who just beat the Texans 37 to 31, which the Texans are no world beaters either, but they are a slightly better team. And the Jets beat Cleveland by a decent amount. And the Bengals 
are the more interesting game to me because they had been starting Ryan Finley in place of Joe Burrow. And now Brandon Allen, who they just signed, comes in and has a Joe Burrow-esque game. I mean, he was a stud to put up 37 with a backup quarterback with that offense. Yeah, no, a backup backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean, they've got weapons, um, you know, but they have no offensive line whatsoever. Uh, I mean, the defense isn't great either. So, good sign. Uh, Could could mean Zach Taylor's possibly going to keep his job going in the next year, Uh, adding a couple of wins late in the season to his resume. We'll see. Unfortunately, you might be right about that. The uh, the bigger story though has got to be the Jets. Yeah, uh, they have all but played their way out of the Trevor Lawrence draft pick that we talked about last week. And like I said last week, players and coaches don't tank; front offices do. And if you're the Jets' front office right now, I mean, you're you've gave up on your Trevor Lawrence lottery pick. So now, what's Plan B for the Jets? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week some. Uh, I think we were both in agreement that, you know, if we're the Jets, if we're in the front office getting the GM role, we're building around Sam Darnold. I mean, he has shown at times – I mean, heck, he's won two weeks in a row. He's shown that there is signs of a starting – you know, NFL starting quarterback caliber in there. Uh, They've got to try and build around him. That guy out of Oregon – uh, offensive tackle, I would think would be your first move to try and protect your franchise quarterback and then try and get some pieces in, either build through the draft, free agency, what, whatever you got to do. Yeah, and like I said last week, I think that trading their draft pick, in my opinion, is their best option right now. Trade it for, uh, you know, a, a veteran lineman or you might be able to get a, a veteran lineman and a secondary defensive player you can start right away. And then maybe you throw in a second or third round draft pick with that, and they have a chance to build going forward without Adam Gase, more than likely. Definitely. And, and the fun, funnier story from that game, even more so, is the Browns. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had a chance to lock it up, lock their playoff spot up last week on a game that shouldn't have been an issue. And they end up blowing that somehow, too. I mean, in you've typical got, Browns fashion, I mean, they don't just lose. They lose by, I believe, double digits. Against the Jets? Yeah. I mean, no, actually, um, Baker Mayfield fumbled on a QB sneak. Did on he? Their, uh, yeah, on their, I think, game-winning or game-time drive. Oh, nice, yeah. I, I saw that Baker didn't have a great game, but that's kind of how he is. He's a roller coaster of a quarterback. You know, one week he's, uh, he's the greatest quarterback in the league, and the next – I wouldn't put them on a peewee football team. I mean, granted, their wide receiver core was decimated by the, the COVID killer. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's the Jets. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a, and, they're 1-14 and, and for a reason. Yeah, they're a terrible team, and that's just a game you can't lose if you're the Browns, if you're trying to, you know, make a, your first real playoff push in, like, 18 years. That I mean, you have a solid team right now, and you're blowing it, and – now you're at risk of not even making the playoffs when you were such a lock two weeks ago. Yeah, and I mean, I think they were above a 90% lock, and now they're at 53% to make the playoffs. Yeah, they're not. And I can't remember who they got coming up this week. Steelers. I think it's, yeah, it's Pittsburgh. That's right. Yeah, and that's not an easy game for them. So they really got – they better show up this week or they're going to be in big trouble. But speaking yeah, of, I mean, you know, we're, we're just really rolling with this whole quarterback issue here on the NFL this week. 
Um, Dwayne Haskins, this earlier today, was released from the Washington football team. And in a quote, Ron Rivera, the coach, says this benefits both parties, which when I hear that, I think that's such bullcrap sticks because that does not benefit Dwayne Haskins in any way of being cut by a bad football team. He's not going to get another, especially a starting job. He's not going to get a starting job anywhere. He'll be lucky to get a backup job in the NFL right now. So to say it benefits both parties tells me that I think there's something going on behind the scenes. Well, there's a couple things going on there. You got Ron Rivera who comes in as a head coach. He did not draft Haskins. So Haskins was not his guy. So he's coming into a team where the coach that had brought Haskins in, you know, is gone. So Rivera did not want Haskins in the picture in Washington. So there's your step one. Um, he started losing football games. Uh, and then the cherry on top is, you know, obviously strip club, birthday party, whatever he was at. Um, just yeah, a terrible was- look. Yeah, he was fined last week $40,000 for being at a strip club uh, maskless. So there's – and they spoke on that last week, the uh, Washington football team did. They were obviously not happy with him because – I mean, it's one thing to be maskless, but for your starting quarterback to be at a strip club in public in the middle of a pandemic and get filmed or get a picture taken of him – that's not a lot. That's not a look any team wants to have for their starting quarterback going into playoffs. Yeah, I mean that's a terrible look, especially when you got a coach that just overcame cancer, so he's probably subject uh, to you know the COVID scare a little bit more than others. I mean, just yeah, terrible, terrible look. Probably will get a practice squad position here in the off season if he gets his act together. But uh, but yeah, I think he's he's probably ruined his his first team chances unless, you know, he gets lucky in a spot where quarterback gets injured and he gets a chance, you know, yeah. again one day. But it's just pretty amazing how fast and as a professional athlete you can lose your job. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a cutthroat business, and that's just what it is. And you always got to keep that in the back of your mind when you're especially a quarterback in the NFL. You know, so much of the franchise's face is riding on you. So that's definitely something to – a lot of these, not just him, but a lot of guys in the NFL don't keep in the back of their mind, and you see a lot of people get cut because of it, and it costs them millions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, it, it you know, continues the trend, sadly to say, of Buckeye quarterbacks that just, you know, flat out don't make it in the NFL. Don't know what exactly that is, what the reason is for, but, you know, I guess kind of spinning off that, though, we can kind of go ahead and roll into uh, the college football picture here. Well, before we get into college football, let's go ahead and talk a little about oh, a little bit about the, yeah the NFL yeah. playoffs here. Uh, so so far, right now, the Chiefs have clinched the number one spot. Uh, they will have a first round bye. The Steelers are bumped up to second place uh, with their win over the Colts that they probably shouldn't have got. That moves the Bills, who have also clinched their division, down to third. Uh, right now, in the hunt, we still have the Tennessee Titans at four. Miami Dolphins have rose up to. Five with the Ravens now jumping into the playoff picture at six and the Browns falling to seven who are a game away from not making it on the bubble for the AFC. We have the Colts right now. Uh, let's look at what each team is going to need to get in. So right now we got Baltimore. We'll start with Baltimore. A lot of these teams on both sides, AFC and NFC are a win in their end. Um, 
they don't need a whole lot of help outside of themselves. So that's also the case with Baltimore. If they win, they're in. Or if they lose, then they have to have Indianapolis and or Cleveland lose to get in. What do you think is their best odds right now? Um, who do they play this week? Baltimore plays Cincinnati. I, I really don't see them struggling this week. Um, I'd say they're almost a bona fide lock. Um, and if they do lose, I mean, granted, we've seen crazy things happen the past couple of weeks with, uh, you know, Bengals win a couple in a row, Jets win a couple in a row. But, you know, Colts already lost to the Jags once, the only Jags win of the year. I don't think the Colts are going to lose, especially with the playoffs online. I agree. So, so moving on to the Browns, you know, we, uh, again, they are, um, they are in a win and you're in situation just barely. Uh, if they lose, then they need Indianapolis to lose or, or they could lose. And if Tennessee loses Miami wins and Baltimore wins, they're also in. So they're, Basically, they need to win or they have to have a ton of help. Yeah, I just. And where they got the Steelers coming up this week, it's going to be a hard game for them to win. So they might need to rely on, you know, some help from Houston or uh, whoever Miami plays or Cincinnati. Yeah, I think it would be hilarious if the Browns don't make the playoffs. That would Um... be the most Cleveland sports team thing ever you know as you know this might be mean to say but i really hope they lose this week to the steelers <laughs> um I, I just think it would be awesome i'm not a brown fan whatsoever don't care for the browns don't really care for the fans uh they're not as obnoxious as pittsburgh but they're not great either um so yeah that would just be great and well i kind of need someone to lose for the colts to get in so yeah, I'd I like mean, for it to be the Browns. I'm not. A, I'm a Bengals fan, so I can't. I guess be a Browns fan, but I don't hate them uh, like I do the Steelers. But I, and part of me wants to see them in, and part of me would think how funny it would be for them to have probably their best season in how many years and then not make the playoffs. Yeah, that would just be classic. Yeah. So speaking okay. of your Colts, your Colts are currently not in the playoffs, but have a good chance of making it. So they can actually win their division and be a lock if they win and Tennessee loses. So Tennessee, I think, plays Houston this week, so I don't know how good of a chance it is of Tennessee losing. But even if they even if they win and Tennessee wins, they would need Baltimore, Cleveland, or Miami to lose. They need one of those three teams to lose and them to win. Yeah, I mean, I don't see Baltimore losing. I already said that. The Titans, I also don't really see them losing either. Uh, the Colts should take care of business. Uh, most likely scenario looks like it's going to be the Browns. But that Bills Dolphins game also is going to be a thriller too. So I like one of those teams to lose. I mean, it's just the way the season's gone in the NFL. I mean, obviously the Colts got to worry about themselves first. But Yeah, and I like it. Uh, I like years like this where teams really have – have it in their own hands, not where they have to rely on so-and-so to win or lose. I like when the teams can play their way in. But with so many teams in the AFC being so close, it really is interesting. And finally, in the AFC, you got the Dolphins. Uh, they can clinch a playoff berth with a win as well. It's a win and you're in. Uh, a Baltimore loss or a Cleveland loss or an Indy loss. So there's a ton of uh, 
again, Miami's probably almost guaranteed to get in. Uh, they do play Buffalo, so they might not win that game. But like we said, there's a good chance that Baltimore, Cleveland, or Indianapolis loses this week. So they're not guaranteed, but they have a good shot at it right now. Yeah, I mean, realistically, out of the four teams, I, uh, fighting over that last spot, I just <laughs> – I mean, the Browns obviously have to beat the Steelers. But um, outside of that, I just – I think the Browns are the team that is on the outside looking in. Yeah, Probably I think I think all the Sunday. all the bubble teams right now are going to be looking at that Browns Steelers game, praying that the Browns lose. And finally, we got Tennessee, who could clinch the division over Indy if they win, or if Indianapolis loses. Either way, they get in with a tie, a Miami loss, or a Baltimore loss if they don't win. So they have they're more than likely in and locked in no matter what. But uh they do have a chance of not even making the playoffs, being the four seed right now. Yeah, pretty wild in the AFC, honestly. And also another thing that kind of should be noted is it's a big deal that they've added that extra playoff spot this year. Yeah, big, big deal now. All right, so let's move over to the NFC sticks. We have the Packers and the number one seed with the first round bye. You have the Saints at number two and the Seahawks at three. Now we have the Buccaneers who just clinched their playoff spot at the fifth seed currently waiting on uh, to see what happens with the NFC East. We have Washington, obviously atop their division right now, but no guarantees there. The Rams at six and the bears have now jumped into seven with a Cardinals loss. So let's get into what each of these teams need. Uh, try to go a little faster than we did in the AFC because I feel like we kind of got lost in the weeds there. Yeah. Um, Starting with Arizona, they are a win-and-in type of team. If they win, they are in. Or if they can tie the game, which I don't speak a lot about ties in this because there's a lot of scenarios where if you tie, this happens, and ties are unlikely. But if they did tie, they would need Chicago to lose, which they play Green Bay this week, so Chicago will probably lose. Uh, Chicago can stay in with a win, or if Arizona loses – uh, which is obviously a real possibility. They play the Rams this week. Arizona does. So tell me your opinion on those two teams real quick. Um, so Rams-Cardinals games would be interesting one to follow. Both QBs are uh, having some injuries in that one with golf uh, and his broken thumb, I believe. Kyle Murray also left early from the Cardinals game last week. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, I kind of like the story with Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears. Uh, somehow he's 6-1 and one as a starter this year. Um, you know, he did get benched after starting, I believe, four three and one, a, three yeah, and one, a really good so, record. Kind of, kind of weird there. Um, now being out in Arizona, I guess I'm gonna root for the Cardinals. A lot of Car- uh, Cardinals fans out here, obviously. Um, but AFC is clearly way better than the NFC. Uh, but these NFC teams seem to be able to lose to and beat anybody any given week. So should be an interesting Sunday this week. I'm looking forward to it. I agree. All right, so let's hop into the the mess that is the NFC East. Uh, it, it, I, I don't know that I've ever seen this, and I'm sure it's happened. I just don't follow it enough that the not just the Cowboys, but a team can either win their division or they're out of the playoffs. I mean, that is a huge jump. That tells you how close and how bad the NFC East is. 
Dallas can only get in if they win their division this week, which would happen with a win and a Washington loss. So they only get in if they win their division, and they have to have Washington lose no matter what. So they have to win or tie their game. Yeah, it's pretty – I believe – Three. The only team that can't win the division is the Eagles, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the Eagles are the only team that is pretty much ruled out of the playoffs and can't win. So yeah, that's wild. I mean, so the Giants, I believe, need a Giants need a win, and they need the Eagles to beat the Cowboys, uh, and then you know, the Cowboys or the Eagles play Washington. But yes, the do the Giants need to win? And okay. Washington to lose to the got Eagles. It, got so, it, got but, yeah, it, they can okay. win their – the Giants, Dallas, and Washington can all win the division this week if they win their game. Yeah, I mean, that is just mind-blowing, really. Yeah, it's crazy. And So, Washington is obviously a win and you're in. The Giants are – you win your division and you're in if Washington loses. And Dallas would also need to win against the Giants with a Washington loss. Um so that covers the NFC East. Green Bay is obviously – they clinched the first round by with a win or a Seattle loss, which Seattle and Green Bay are pretty much locks, so I'm not going to talk about them a whole lot. The Rams, however, need to win and you're in, or they can lose to Arizona if Chicago loses also to Green Bay. Yeah, I uh be pretty wild. You know, the Rams, I believe, were 9-4 and four at one point, um, so they – have to lose that would be what three straight um especially with having jets on the schedule in one of those three games so yeah the nfc is totally for different reasons uh gonna be super exciting as well to watch this might be the best sunday of the year yeah coming up to be honest yeah it's gonna be fun just because of there's not you don't have your four teams locked up yet like you do a lot of years there's still a lot of uh a lot of things happening atop these, uh, especially the NFC divisions. There's a lot of movement going on going into the last week. And everybody plays their division this week, so that always makes it interesting. All right, Sticks. Now, I know you were excited. You got a little ahead of yourself there. Now yeah. let's get into some college football. Um, we obviously have a bunch of games this week on Friday and Saturday, some bowl games, uh, the start of the playoffs. Uh, let's start with some of these smaller uh, uh, bowl games here. Last week, we talked about the Texas-Colorado game, which I'll tell you why later. Uh, That game did not happen last week. It is happening this week. We both kind of agreed that we don't like Texas, but we don't know if Colorado is good enough. So give me your quick version on that. I'm probably going to end up leaning Texas at the end of the day uh, just because of Sam Ellinger. Uh, I like the senior quarterback in the bowl game, wants to go out with a big win. You know, and then, you know, Colorado out of the Pac-12 only playing five games. Just not a lot there on the resume. Kind of hard to tell what you're going to get. So Yeah, we agreed on this last week. I also like Texas to win the game. Uh, last week, the spread was 13 and a half. Uh, I st- if that is still the number, I like it. It is down top- to seven. Is it down the, to seven? According to, e- according to ESPN, the gotcha. line is minus seven. Okay. Texas. So, so I don't know how much I like. I, I took – Colorado to cover the spread and lose. I'm not 100% sure what I would take right now as a bet, but I would take Texas to win that game as well. All right, another game that we talked about last week that got moved to this week is the Wake Forest-Wisconsin. That was actually your lock of the week that did not get to happen. Uh, I believe the line is still six on that. 
uh, who do you like to win that game? Is do you, are you still with Wisconsin? Still going to roll with Wisconsin, uh, despite the fact that my betting history is off to a very, very cold start. Still like the Badgers. Uh, I, I think ultimately uh, they're just going to have more firepower, better players, better recruits. You know, that obviously doesn't always work out in college football. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I like their resume a little bit more. Uh, I think, you know, shouldn't have the COVID issues they dealt with earlier in the season. Um, I like them to get the win. I agree. I, I would definitely take Wisconsin in that, too. I'm not a big Wake Forest uh, supporter here. All right, so the last uh, small bowl game we're going to talk about is the the Gator Bowl. Uh, I mentioned it last week about how Kentucky kind of lucked their way into this after being four and six. They take on number 23, NC State. Uh, Kentucky opened as, I think, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the ranked team, which is a little surprising. In my opinion, if Kentucky goes in full strength, uh, you know, not a whole lot of COVID issues, not a whole lot of injuries. I think Kentucky pulls out the win. I don't know by how much, but I would take Kentucky to beat NC State just solely because they do they did play a harder SEC schedule than what NC State had to go through. And I think they're battle tested. I think their offensive line is top three in the country. Terry Wilson's not a great quarterback, but I think you might see a lot of uh, Joey Gatewood in that, getting him ready for next year. And Kentucky, I think, can just pound the ball down NC State's throat. Their defense is good enough. They they force turnovers, and I think that's going to be too much for NC State to handle. Can't say I like all of your reasons. Um, I might roll with NC State. I mean, that four and six record if Kentucky's in the ACC is a lot different. Clearly, I mean, they played an all-SEC schedule. Um, and, you know, battling COVID and stuff like that with the offense that they have that is fairly limited. That's really a coin flip for me. I'm probably leaning NC State, but it's going to come down to the last possession. Um, Don't see that game going more than three points either way. Yeah, I'm not going to say that's going to be your most exciting non-New Year's Six Bowl, but it's definitely one to keep an eye on. So let's get into the New Year's Six Sticks. We will hit the bottom four right now, and then once we get into our gambling stuff later, we'll talk the playoffs. So we'll start here with the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Uh, You have Cincinnati and Georgia. Tell me who you like. I think the Bearcats got something to prove. Uh, that Georgia team was hyped up at the beginning of the year. I want to say they're a top-five team. Uh, they lost some big games this year. They were competitive in the first half against Alabama. Uh, I believe had the lead at halftime. They kind of got rolled off the field in the second half. Um, they're a good team, good recruits, good players. However, um, I think that Bearcat team has a lot more to prove. Uh, I think they're going to come out and show that. Kind of reminds me of that UCF team from about five years ago. They went on to win their bowl game as well. Um, so I, I think that's going to be a good game to watch. Yeah, I definitely think it'll be fun to watch. You have the American Athletic Conference, you know, always the, the group of five instead of the power five, always wanting in to, you know, big brother's room with the power five conferences. I think the Cincinnati offense is high powered. They can score a lot. It really comes down to how good is Georgia's defense. Uh, we're going to find out. I think this is your most fun to watch New Year's Six Bowl. You took Cincinnati, so I'm just going to take Georgia just because I think it's a coin flip either way, but it should be fun. Uh, now, getting into what could be the slowest moving game of the New Year's Six, you got Northwestern and Auburn in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, in my opinion, if Northwestern comes out like they did against Ohio State, they will beat Auburn by 10. 
Uh, but there's no guarantees on that. Auburn's not a bad team, but they did just lose their head coach. So I'm going to take Northwestern to win. But Auburn could make it competitive if they come ready to play, I, and they don't underestimate Northwestern. So here's my thing. I was just thinking about this. I brought it up on the show last week. Uh, I think I might even pick Northwestern last week, but I'm going to switch, and here's why. I came up with my theory about head coaches getting fired, bring in the new guy, yep. gets the locker room together, gets a dub. For that reason and that reason alone, taking Auburn. All righty, so – I don't know that I officially said it, but I'll take Northwestern on that one just because I don't believe in Auburn as much. So we have split both of these games so far, so that's fun. The Orange Bowl, we have North Carolina and Texas A&M. What, what's your opinions there as a North Carolina fan? So um, I like North Carolina's quarterback. Uh, they were top five at one point in the year then had a really bad loss. Um, you never know what you're really going to get with them. Uh, I like Texas A&M. I think they're the better football team. I think Jimbo Fisher's got them rolling. Um, I think they'll win, but I think it's going to be a little bit closer game than people think. Yeah, see, I don't know a ton about either team. I like I like the story of North Carolina, you know, a traditional uh, basketball school coming out and being competitive in football. But I just think A&M, I mean, they had a real shot at the playoffs. They're, they're a legitimate top five team, and I, I think that they take North Carolina no problem. So the final uh, non-playoff New Year's Six game is the Cotton Bowl. You have Oklahoma versus Florida. To me, this game is pretty interesting. It depends on which Florida team you get. Uh, if you get the, the Florida team that played in the SEC championship game, I think it could get ugly fast. But if you have a Florida team that plays LSU – then it could get ugly fast the opposite way. I think Florida's going to come out ready to play. Dan Mullen is crazy, and he will find a way to have his guys hyped up. So I think Florida comes out and uh, takes care of business with Oklahoma. Yeah, I agree. Um, that freshman QB they got at Oklahoma is starting to play better. They're starting to, you know, look a little bit more organized on offense. They had, you know, I, I believe both their losses were early in the year, uh, maybe even in the first three games. Um, so they're starting to roll now. Um, but I like Florida. I think Dan Mullen's going to have them ready to go, and they've got an absolute superstar in uh, Kyle Pitts, the tight yeah. end. Yeah, he's going to he's going to be good. He's going to be one of those players that you see uh, be successful in the NFL as well. Yeah, I really like him. Um, I mean, Kyle Trask is obviously great too, but uh, I think Pitts is the guy to watch for me. Yeah, I agree. All right, six. So that'll wrap up college football for now. When we get into the, the gambling section at the end, we will talk the playoffs. But let's get into some uh, NCAA basketball. The only big story uh, this week is very disheartening to me. Uh, UK plays Louisville, or played Louisville this past week. They lost 59-62, to another just very close game. They were clearly the better team. And they let it slip away at the end like they have all year for their sixth straight loss. All right, so as part of BBN, just let me tell you that they, we as a whole are not happy with this, obviously. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of negative feeling towards this team, Coach Cal. But let, let me say this. There's people calling for Cal's job. And one, you're not going to get any better than Coach Cal right now at Kentucky. You're not getting – you know, Mark Few or Roy Williams or Coach K coming to Kentucky right now. They all love their jobs where they're at, and they're having success. So, with that being said, this team for Kentucky will not be good 
until B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark step up. You know, these are supposed to be two of the top ten players in the country coming out of high school, and they haven't played like they should at all. They have they played like middle school players. So until those guys step up, there's not much you can do with this team. I mean, you can be competitive and you might win a game here and there, but until our two superstars, you know, make their mark and show up, there's nothing we can do. And, and speaking on Cal, we – it's not that he's doing a bad job coaching. You know, we always see these young guys come in and struggle and then make improvements going into SEC play. And that's exactly what we've seen out of our non-superstar players. You got Davion Mintz has got – he played 38 minutes against Louisville and he started playing like 20. He's made improvements. Uh, Devin Askew was an absolute liability with the ball the first couple games, and now he's playing a huge role. That He's playing good defense. He's not turning the ball over. Jacob Toppin was a bench player for Rhode Island last year, and he might have had his breakout game against Louisville, had a great game, brought a lot of energy. Lance Ware is playing very well for who he is. I mean, he, he, he probably is a backup on an average NCAA team, and he's playing out of his mind for Kentucky right now. Isaiah Jackson, he's also been a breakout star this year that nobody really expected. So I'm seeing these, these teams get – or these players anyway – get better as the year goes through and the one and the two people that's not getting any better is our two superstars and until they get better we won't be a good team yeah i mean living in kentucky for four and a half years uh i mean y'all live breathe die kentucky basketball i mean that is your professional sport down there um and i know the fans don't like it i mean i think Cal will turn it around. I think you guys will probably end up having a winning record in SEC play. I just don't know if it's going to be enough come tourney time to get you over the hump. Yeah, if we don't win the SEC, it's going to really be close of us getting in. I mean, we're going to have to have a good SEC run anyway. But if we fall short of winning it, I mean, we have to finish 13. 13 and five at the worst, maybe, you know, and finish like 19 and 11 on the season. And then maybe we get a bid, but I'm hoping that he gets it turned around and we can make a run in the sec tournament. Cause I mean, you never with the sec tournament, you never know who's going to win it. Even when Kentucky's good. So that, that is my rant for UK right now. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we still got a long way to go. It's not even the next year yet. So uh, conference play could bring out a whole different side. Yeah. So, you know, we got the new year coming up. Hopefully these guys kind of, you know, turn it on in 2021 for us. Yeah. So uh, let's hop into some, uh, some blue bloods here. Uh, you obviously kind of went through Kentucky there. Um, but so I'm going to bring up a couple more, uh, kind of give me your synopsis. Um, they've been struggling a little bit this year. Um, so we'll go ahead and go down to Duke. Uh, they haven't obviously played in a little while. But uh, what's going on down there? All right. So what what we're gonna do for this segment sticks? New Year's is coming up this week. I'm gonna you're gonna give me these blue bloods, and I'm gonna give you what I think their New Year's resolution should be as a team. Okay. Okay. All so right. we'll, we'll so we'll start with Duke. All right. So my my New Year's resolution for Duke is that in 2021 they should make Coach K want to play basketball again. They they struggled early. Coach K is so scared of hurting his record. That team needs to rally around him and make him want to coach and play basketball again. All right. I like it. All right. 
uh, Kentucky. What is what is your New Year's resolution for them? <laughs> I could go on about Kentucky. My my New Year's resolution for Kentucky is that they should get up into Brandon Boston and Terrence Clark and make them show up in 2021, or this team has no chance of making a play or making a the tournament. All right, let's keep it rolling, Kansas. Kansas's New Year's resolution is to continue their success into March. Every year we see Kansas get hot. They're a good team early. They win a lot of big games, and then you, they get into March, and by the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, they are tired and wore out. So Kansas needs to carry their momentum into March. That should be their New Year's resolution. All right, now on to uh, Michigan State. Michigan State, they, they're playing well right now. They've dropped a, a game, I think, last week to a pretty good school. I cannot remember who. But for them, their resolution needs to be to play championship basketball consistently. They, you see spurts of it, and you see them go out and beat a Duke at Duke, and then they'll turn around and lose to a no-name school. So if they can keep it consistent in 2021, i like them to make a run. All right, and last but definitely not least, my boys, uh, North Carolina. Yeah, this is going to make you happy because I actually like North Carolina this year. Uh, I, when I watch them play Kentucky, I like the way they play. But I think their New Year's resolution needs to be find someone on that roster that can be a playmaker for them. Um, they have a lot of good pieces, but a lot like Kentucky, they don't have somebody that goes out and gets their own shots. And they have the players to do it. They just haven't shown it yet. And if they can do that, I think they can also be a strong team come March. All right, all right. I like it. Um, so now, now that we kind of rolled through the, uh, the blue bloods, uh, and your new year's resolution for everybody, um, how about, uh, we talk some conference champs yeah. and, uh, so these teams were, were this week, we're going to be seeing all these teams in the power five, get into their conference play. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about these conference champion sticks. So for the sec, um, we, we touched on it. It's always a toss-up going in. You never know who's going to be hot at the right time. For me, I think I'm going to go ahead and predict our champions. I think it's going to come down to Tennessee or Kentucky. I don't think Missouri's going to quite make it there like everybody's been hyping them up. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Tennessee wins the SEC. I don't like it as a Kentucky fan, but I- I'm going to say Tennessee wins that one. All right. Um, so we got the SEC. Um, now how about, uh, hopping into, uh, we'll just go right over to, uh, the ACC. What do you think there? ACC, I think you, I think you have a lot of good teams here, but so much, we haven't seen them play a whole lot. You know, a lot of the, especially like the Dukes and North Carolinas haven't got a whole lot of games in, uh, I never am big on Virginia either. So to me, it comes down to Florida state or North Carolina. And I think that by the time the tournament comes around, North Carolina will be rolling. I'm going to take North Carolina to win it this year. All right, awesome. Uh, let's go out west, um, and we'll do the uh, the Pac-12. Uh, the Pac-12's down this year. They don't have a ton of great teams. So your, your typical powerhouses are going to be Oregon, Arizona, and Arizona State. Arizona State is not having an amazing year right now, so I'm going to take Oregon to win it, but don't be surprised if Arizona makes a push. Yeah. Also, uh, what do you think about Washington State? Um, uh, eight, no. They're eight no right now, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I like them. I I just don't know that they play enough people to to come and surpass the the 
typical powerhouses in the Pac-12 right now. I think give them a couple years. If they keep winning, they get the recruits, and then maybe, but not this year. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go on to the uh, Big 12. Big 12, probably the best conference in basketball right now. It, it's always it's always Kansas and Baylor out there, but they have a good Texas team this year, a good Texas Tech team. So this one really could go any direction, but I'm going to take Kansas just because they always win it. But like I said with the Pac-12, don't be surprised if one of these other teams come and upset them in the tournament. I mean, yeah, they have five teams in the top 15 right now. Uh, pretty impressive, four of those being in the top 10. Um, so they're really good. And then the big 10, I'd say is probably also going to give them a run for their money. Uh, as far as, uh, good teams are concerned. Who do you like there in the big 10? Um, you obviously have Luca Garza in Iowa. That's obviously a very good team, even though they lost to Gonzaga, but I think everybody's losing to Gonzaga right now. Um, also you have Wisconsin who, I don't know if you know this, I was watching ESPN the other day and they said that Wisconsin starting five, are all seniors or fifth years, and their sixth man off the bench is also a fifth-year senior. So this team has a lot of experience. They've been around the block. They've been in these big games. I'm going to take Iowa strictly because of Luca Garza, but Wisconsin is definitely a team to keep your eye on. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a typical Wisconsin team, you know, I, I like them. They have done well in March in the past. Um, the Big Ten has, I want to say, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams that are ranked right now. Uh, they just don't have the talent at the top. Uh, so that might be the most wide, of, wide open conference. Um, yeah, and, you know, we're, we're used to seeing these SEC and ACC teams kind of run college basketball. And for whatever reason, it has completely flipped this year. Yeah, I mean, you got the Big Ten, the Big 12 uh, that are looking really good. Um, ACC is kind of lagging behind, and then the SEC is just um, really not right, not there at the moment. They've got some teams that can probably compete, make a run, but uh, rankings-wise, you know, a lot yep. can change between now and March. So, Yep. All right, let's stick with some basketball here, Sticks. We got some NBA stuff. Um, this week, Adam Silver came out and talked about uh, you know, the NBA possibly doing a, an expansion soon and adding a team or two. So they've talked about this for a while, and it's really starting to gain some ground now. It, it's obvious that the next team to come to the NBA will be in Seattle. I think everybody is 100% clear on that. But I have a list of cities here, Sticks, of where the second team might go. Uh I'm going to let you give me a couple options and then I will read you the actual list of places they're considering and you can give me your opinion on those. All right. So outside of the obvious Seattle, which is, you know, the first place that came to mind to the supersonics leaving there uh, probably about a decade and a half ago. Um, so because close to my home, I'd like to obviously to see Cincinnati get a team. They had one a long, long time ago. I want to say the Cincinnati Kings or maybe the Royals. I think it was Cincinnati Royals, maybe uh, something like that. Um, but, you know, being in that area, I know you kind of grew up on the other side of Cincinnati um, down south. Um, I think we'd have the fan base to support it. Uh, Cincinnati sports teams need something to root for. The Bengals have been miserable uh, and the Reds have been miserable for years. 
Uh, so that's my first one. Uh, Louisville is my second. Uh, I think this one makes a little bit more sense. Uh, Kentucky has no professional sports teams. Um, you have a, a state that is hungry for basketball. I mean, they live, breathe, die UK basketball. Uh, I think they would get a huge following, huge support. Uh, and I think it would be really successful there. Last team, uh, last place, kind of out there, maybe San Diego. Uh, they lost the Chargers um, close to Mexico, can kind of bring that fan base in. Uh, that was kind of my thought process behind that one. Uh, but that's what I got so far. All right, so I'll tell you, two of your three cities are on the official list of te- of cities being considered. So I told you earlier there's going to be one where I'm going to tell you and you're going to be like, oh, duh. So that place is Las Vegas. Oh, okay. (laughs) Exactly, right? Yeah. So Vegas makes sense in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways it doesn't because it makes sense that, yes, there's a ton of money, a ton of people, you know, it's working out for the Raiders right now. But at the same time, there is so much stuff to do in Vegas. Is there going to be enough of a draw for an NBA team to be there? You know, you got everything else in the world to do in Vegas is – and in it is an NBA team too much for the city to, you know, support fully. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a pretty good point to bring up. You know, they brought the Raiders out there. They built them a brand new stadium. Um, they've got the Las Vegas Knights out there, the hockey team. I, I just don't see Vegas being a huge basketball city. That's just my personal opinion. I, I'm not saying it wouldn't work there, um, but I just don't see, uh, the fan base just gathering around there. Yeah. And second on that list is Louisville. Um, like you mentioned, I think Louisville being a homer here, I would really enjoy a professional team in Louisville. I think it'd be fun. You are, you're, you're an hour from Cincinnati and you're an hour from Lexington. There would be a huge draw for it. You know, there's not a professional envy. The, the closest one is Cleveland and even from Northern Kentucky, that's six hours away, or I guess the Pacers, which is two and a half. So I think that'd be a big draw. I think it would work. And there was talks of the uh, Raptors playing their games in Louisville this year, uh, depending on how the coronavirus stuff worked out. And that was going to be Louisville's chance to show, hey, we can support a team and we can, you know, we can bring in the revenue for the NBA. So I don't think that's going to happen, but I think Louisville would definitely be my favorite second choice. Uh, some others on the list, San Diego, like you mentioned, but seeing as how the Chargers worked out, I don't know that that's going to happen, and you already have two teams an hour up the road in L.A. And then also we have Montreal or Vancouver up in Canada is an option, uh, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and Mexico City. Don't know how I feel about Mexico City. I feel like that's a bit out there. Um, I don't think we have any professional sports teams in Mexico. I wouldn't have thought basketball would have been the first. Um Interesting proposition. I thought probably football would have made it down there first, but it, it would be a great way. I mean, I would say basketball is probably a little bit more of an international game. Well, I, th- I think if you're picking a sport to go into Mexico, you're probably picking baseball, right? Oh, yeah. That's I mean, true. A, a huge, a huge portion of the MLB is Hispanic. So I think that would be your first move before you jump into the NBA. But all right, Sticks. Let's get a little bit of uh, some too early predictions in the NBA. Um, I'm going to say a, uh, you know, an award or a thing, and you're going to tell me who you think gets it. Who wins? Okay. Who wins the 2021 NBA championship? 
2021 NBA championship. Okay. Um, don't like the Lakers, but I'm also biased against LeBron. So I'm going to, you know, start that off to begin with. I would say I, I really like the Brooklyn Nets this year. Uh, Kyrie, KD, they've got a lot of good pieces around them. Um, I think both of them have a lot to prove. Uh, they've both got a chip on their shoulder. Um, and if that marriage does work out, um, I think they have the chance to be the best team in the NBA. Yeah, that's who it was between for me. Actually, I threw the Clippers in there in mind, but I think the Lakers win it. I think it's going to take a year or two for the Kyrie KD thing to really, you know, iron everything out and and make it work. So I think LeBron has a chance to get his fifth this year. I think that his team's been together. They know what to do. And like I said, it's going to take a minute for the Nets to iron out. And whatever you do, quit moving so much. What are you doing? Sorry. (laughs) All right. Who is your MVP this year for the NBA? So MVP uh, this year for the NBA, um, I'm going to go out on a limb, uh, take you guys someone a little bit different this year. Uh, I'm going to say Luca. Um, he is the guy down there in Dallas. Uh, they have a good team. Um, I think he has a chance to be kind of a MVP caliber player, uh, kind of like Westbrook was a few years ago when he was the only one left on the Rockets. Um and that is uh, – he's my out-of-the-box MVP this year. I like it. It's not a bad pick. He's definitely in the discussion. I'm going to take KD. He's coming off an injury. He's, I think he's going to reestablish himself as the second-best player in the world. So I'm going to take KD to win the MVP this year. Um, who is going to be the scoring title champion this year? Scoring title. Um, I would probably say Harden. Um you know, the volume is there. It's always going to be there. Um, I think once he f- gets into the right situation, whether that's in Houston or somewhere else, um, I think he will flourish once again. He's got a couple years left, um, and I like his chances this year. Yeah, I like Harden. I, at first, I wrote down KD. I thought KD was going to come out and score a bunch, and then I scribbled it out, and I went with Harden. It's what he does. He doesn't do a whole lot else, honestly, on the court. Uh, I think he wins it again uh, pretty hands down. And finally, Sticks, who is going to be your breakout superstar of the year? Who, Or maybe not superstar, but who's going to be your rising star this year, kind of have a breakout season? Um, so I was really hoping it was going to be Kobe White for Chicago. He had a couple good games in the preseason. Looks good. Uh, has not started off the year great. So I, I want to, I'm going to stay firm and say Kobe white in the long term. Uh, but there's a lot of, you know, other young guys town across the league. So, um, so you took a, a North Carolina guy as, as a fan, I'm going to take a Kentucky guy and I'm going to say it's going to be shy Gilgis Alexander. Uh, he, he's been upcoming, you know, it, it would be easy to say Devin Booker, Jamal Murray from Kentucky, but they've already kind of arrived. So I'm going to take Shy Gilgis Alexander. He hit a pretty wild game winner the other day. He, he by every metric, he he's trending up, and I think come the end of the year, he's going to be uh, the guy for them. So that's going to be my pick for that. All right, all right, sticks. As far as other sports, we don't have a ton to talk about. We really only have one story. Um, so Jake Paul, uh, we talked about his brother Logan fighting Floyd Mayweather here last week or the week before 
and now we got Jake Paul back in the news. Uh, he was the brother that knocked out Nate Robinson after or before the Tyson fight. He supposedly he and Ben Askren from the UFC have both agreed to do a boxing match. Uh, ben Askren is, if you don't follow the sport a lot, is probably most known for getting knocked out in like three seconds by Jorge Masvidal on a flying knee to open the fight. Um, he he's a great Ben Askren is a great wrestler. I mean that's what he does. He wrestles. He grapples. He does jujitsu. If the fight was to go to the ground, Askren is about as good as it gets. But with it being a boxing match, it's hard for me to see a scenario where he beats Jake Paul. Yeah. um, I have really, you know, I saw the Masvidal fight. Um, I want to say he lost his next fight as well. Um, And it's kind of out of the UFC now. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure that he lost his next fight. You might be right on that. But, yeah, he, he hasn't fought a lot since. Um, he, but when he – leading up to the uh, Masvidal fight, he, he was kind of a big draw. He, he was yeah. fresh in it. He was whipping up on everybody in the whatever series he was in before, whether it was Bellator or one or whatever he was in before. He was kind of beating everybody. And then he got knocked out by Jorge, and we've just kind of seen him go by the wayside. But I do like him as a fighter. Like I said, he – He's kind of like Habib. He's not real exciting, but if he gets you on the ground, I mean, it, it's over quick. So, but like I said, with boxing, I think Jake Paul's just more well versed in it. It's what he does. He doesn't do anything else. So, like, if it was an MMA fight, it's Askren within minutes. But with it being boxing, I, I think Jake Paul probably takes care of business if that fight happens. Yeah, it's going to be a better fight than Nate Robinson. I mean, Ben Askren's a fighter. I mean, he. He can box, obviously. Um, yeah, at the very least, he's but, not an NBA player. Yeah, I mean, so it, it's going to be a good fight. I think he's going to land some blows. Um, Jake Paul probably has the advantage in that. Uh, but I, I think that would be something I'd probably tune in to see. I think that'd be pretty competitive. Yeah, I, and with any luck, they put it on the undercard for his brother Logan and Floyd Mayweather. So, you know, you get the two-for-one pay-per-view right there. Yeah, that'd be pretty sick. Cool, cool. So let's get into the final stuff here, the gambling aspect. Sticks, bub, we suck at this. We're not very good. No, not at all. No. So that's okay though. Yeah, we're we're gonna get back. We're gonna get better. So that's all that matters. We're gonna end. I don't know. Let, let's let's try to end by by the end of February. Let's have a winning record, okay? Hey, we're we're gonna get it together. If you toss out the first two weeks. Yeah, if you toss out the past two weeks, we are even. We're O and O, so let's let's keep that going. All right, so let's get into it. Last week, uh, the first game we talked about was the Colts and the Steelers. Uh, the Colts were a three point, or the Steelers, my bad, were a three point favorite. They end up winning by four. So last week, I said that I think it's going to be exactly a three point game, and the Steelers will win. I did really bad. So I'm a, I said that if they did anything other than three points, I would take it as a loss. I take that back. I'm taking that win. The Steelers covered. <laughs> the Steelers covered. So I'm going to take that win. And you picked the Colts to to cover and or win the game. They did not, even though they probably should have. So you lost that bet. I, I'm going to claim that I won that bet. The next game that we talked about was the Texas versus Colorado game. That game was postponed, so we're not going to count that. And then you have the Vikings and the Saints. Um, the Saints put it on them. I believe it was 52 to 33 or something. It was a seven-point spread in the Saints' favor. You picked Minnesota to cover that. Uh, I picked the Saints. 
the Saints obviously did cover. So that is another nod to me. I am 2-0 and right now as opposed to your 0-2. We went the Christmas Day NBA game, the Clippers and the Nuggets. The Clippers were a one-and-a-half-point favorite at the time. Uh, you took the Clippers to cover. I went out on a limb, took the Nuggets, told you I didn't love the pick, and I shouldn't have. The Clippers won the game and won by more than a point and a half. So you are now one and two. I am two and one. And then the Browns versus the Jets. The Browns were a 10-point favorite. Uh, They obviously lost to the Jets, so they did not cover. We both took an L on that one. That puts you at one and three and me at two and two. Your lock of the week we talked about did not happen. It was postponed. The Wake Forest-Wisconsin game. So we're going to leave you at one and three on the week with a lock that did not happen. Um, my lock of the week was Coastal Carolina at Liberty Sticks. I felt so good about this game. I really, I really, in my heart, thought that Coastal Carolina was going to blow Liberty out of the water. But Hugh Freeze does what Hugh Freeze does over at Liberty. He pulls it out somehow. They don't only cover the spread. They win in overtime. So my lock of the week did not hit. So overall, I went two and three. And my record as of right now overall is five and six. So I'm almost breaking even, but I'm not quite there. Your overall record right now is two and eight. Uh, I'm I'm one and one on my locks and you're zero oh and one. So look, sticks this week, we got to win. We, ha- we have to pick some winning teams this week. Yeah. Um, so – I'm ready. I feel good about this week. Um, let's go ahead and, uh, and hop into the games you got selected. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so our first game is going to be the Steelers and the Browns. We talked about what this means for the playoffs for the Browns. They This is a win or go home just about game for them, depending on what the Colts do. And it's – when I first saw the line on this, I was really surprised. The line is – the Browns are a seven-point favorite, a 290 favorite on the money line, and the Steelers are a 235 underdog on the money line. So who, who are you taking here to cover? I mean, I love the Steelers here. Uh, plus seven. Looks like they figured everything out in the second half against the Colts. Um, I don't like the Browns. I've made that blatantly clear. So, um, yeah, I think the Browns lose in an embarrassing fashion. Steelers cover and win. Yeah, I'm going to take the Steelers as well to cover. This is one of those games that I I really don't know because the Browns have so much to play for, but then again, it is the Browns. I'm going to take the Steelers to at least cover the spread. I'm not going to pick a winner because I really have no idea who's going to win this game, but I am going to take the Steelers to keep it within seven. All right, moving on to the Eagles and the Washington football team. This game is more or less a pick em. It is a favorite for the Eagles by one point, and the money line on it is an Eagles 118 favorite and a Washington 100 underdog. So basically you're betting even money on Washington to win the game. So I'm going to take Washington to win the game. I think they have more to play for. Obviously, I mean, it's not necessarily a win or go home, but it very well could be for them. I think that the Eagles are going to try to play the spoiler, but I just don't know that they can do it right now. I'm going to take Kyle Allen and the Washington football team to win this game and cover the spread. I'm going to take the Eagles. I think it would just be nothing more fitting for the uh, 
the NFC East for the Eagles to crash the parade and uh, and get that win and just throw absolute chaos again on the division. Uh, I like Jalen Hurts, so that's going to be. I'll go against you there. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. To, I'm excited to see how the NFC East plays out. Period. But this game specifically could determine a lot of which way that it goes, especially between the Giants and Dallas, who both have a shot to win if Washington loses. So, moving on to the AFC North sticks, Ravens at the Bengals. Uh, the Ravens are 11 and a half point favorite, a minus 600 favorite on the money line. The Bengals are 11 and a half point underdog and a plus 450. So you can make some money here on the Bengals if they pull out a third straight win. I Actually, I'll let you go first. Tell me who you think is covering. So in this one, um, I 11 and a half is a lot, especially for a Bengals team that appears to be, you know, playing pretty well. Um I like the Ravens. Uh, they strike me as a team that because they run the ball and they run the ball so effectively that they can put teams away and keep teams um, that they can further their lead. Um, so I'm going to take them minus 11 and a half. Don't love it, uh, but I think they have the you know, opportunity to, the, to really extend the lead. Yeah, I'm kind of like you asked me this two weeks ago and you could have gave me 20 for the Ravens and I'm picking it. But now where the Bengals are on a hot streak, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to take Baltimore to cover it just because, and, and I'm not awesome about it. I think the Bengals could keep it close, but the Ravens have a lot to play for right now trying to stay in the playoff picture. All right, Sticks, we are now into the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl. So we didn't talk about them earlier. Let's talk about them a little right now before we take our bets. Uh, we'll start with number one, Alabama, and number four, Notre Dame. I mean, I, I don't think there's much to uh, break down here. I would be absolutely shell-shocked if this game is within 10 points, uh, let alone a Notre Dame win. Um, I mean, I just think Alabama's the better team in every facet of the game. Um, and, you know, unless we have a big COVID scare between now and Saturday, uh, I love love Alabama big. Yeah, okay. Well, the line is 19.5 for Alabama sticks. So Alabama's got to win by 20 to cover. The money line on it is absolutely ridiculous. Alabama, you would have to bet $1,050 to win $100 on Alabama. So, I mean, it's pointless to bet on Alabama to cover or to win, I mean, because you're not going to make any money on them. Uh, Notre Dame is a 19.5-point underdog, the biggest spread on a college football playoff game ever, and – they are plus the 630 on the money line. So who are you taking to cover by 19 and a half? I still like Alabama. Um, I said they probably roll by 20 to 24. Yeah, I'm going to take Alabama too. But honestly, I don't love it because Notre Dame just got embarrassed and they know it. So I don't love it. I think I'm taking Alabama. But we're just going to have to see how that one plays out. Now, a more interesting game, number two, Clemson versus number three, Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl, or is it the Rose Bowl? They play in the Rose Bowl, right? Um, I believe it's the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and the Notre Dame-Alabama Sugar Bowl. Okay, so Clemson is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, a 290 favorite on the money line, and Ohio State is a plus 225 underdog. Who are you taking to cover the Ohio State-Clemson game? 
I got to take the Bucks. Um, not only to cover, but to win. Um, Ooh, getting excited. Last year's last year's uh, game was a good one. It was a close one. Uh, I think the taste is on a lot of fans' mouths. I'm sure the players as well. Um, I think they're going to come out ready to play. Uh, it'll be a really good game. I don't feel great about it, um, but I can't pick, go against my Bucks. Well, you heard it here first, uh, folks. Sticks here thinks Ohio State is putting it on Clemson. So, I don't agree with you. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be too good. I don't trust the Buckeyes to to come out hot after the way they came out against Northwestern in a game that they had to win. So, I'm going to take Clemson to cover by uh, – honestly, if it was a six-and-a-half-point line, I might take Ohio State, and I, or I wouldn't feel as good about it. Or I would feel – let me rephrase that. I would feel better about taking Clemson if it was a six and a half point game. Uh, I think they're about a touchdown better, but the line's at seven and a half, which means they'd have to win by eight. I think they do, but just barely. So I'm going to take Clemson to cover the spread on this one. All right. All right, Sticks. Let's get into our locks of the week, which we have not been great at so far. Um, let's talk about your lock of the week right now. So, um, Giants team has been struggling a little bit. Um, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Andy Dalton looks pretty good. Uh, Cowboys are starting to win some games. Um, I think they win. I think they get in the playoffs. Um, but I like them. I like them by three. Um, and I'm going to roll with that. Yeah. So, like you said, their Cowboys are a three-point favorite. And basically the winner of this game, assuming the Eagles beat Washington, will win their division and be in. I think the Cowboys, if it, if I'm taking a bet, which I'm not on this one, uh, I, I would also take Dallas, but I don't love it. I don't know if I'm making it my lock of the week, but you're confident, so that's good. You, we need some confidence in these picks right now because <laughs> we have not been doing good. All right, so my lock of the week sticks is going to be the Packers and the Bears. The Packers are a six-point favorite over the Bears, the 270 favorite on the money line. Bears are a plus 220. I think that the Packers are just absolutely rolling right now. The Bears do have something to play for, but the Packers look like a true Super Bowl contender, and I think that they win by more than six this week. That is my lock of the week. Yeah, I liked it. They uh, they looked great against the Titans last week, a team that I thought would give them fits um, with Derrick Henry and running the football things that the Packers struggle to uh, constr- you know stop. Um, but they looked great last week. I mean, I think they're a Super Bowl contender definitely. Yeah, I'm, I feel good about that pick. I think it's going to be a fun game. But I think Aaron Rodgers has a, has a real argument for MVP, and he's, he's obviously voiced that he wants it. So I think he's going to do everything he can to go get it this week. All right, Sticks, that is all of our stories this week. Uh, we are coming up on the new year. Do you have any plans for New Year's Eve this year, or what are we doing out in Arizona? So uh, I've, it's technically my day off. Got to head into work. Uh, inventory day so only about two and a half hours I can come in in jeans and t-shirt or whatever um, no big plans might head out for a drink afterwards see what the co-workers are doing um, my uncle's going to Mexico cousins are going to uh, Lake Havasu um, I gotta work New Year's Day um, at 10 a.m. though so I can go out um, so I'll probably go out maybe have a drink uh, see the ball drop chill night though no no big plans yeah, I don't have any plans either as of right now. I, every year I tell myself I'm going to plan something. We're going to have all these plans. It's going to be fun. And then I wait to the week of, and I have no plans like I do right now. 
I'm sure I'll get into something. I don't know what exactly I have off New Year's Day, but I do work New Year's Eve, but only till about four o'clock. So I have plenty of time to get where I'm going. So I am not 100% sure I will let you know next week what I did because right now I'm not sure. Uh, but either way, stay safe. You know, don't go driving at midnight. Don't do nothing stupid. Keep, you know, I was always told uh, when I was younger, remember who you are and whose you are. Uh, remember who you are. Don't do anything out of your character and, and know that you represent people that have raised you and cared for you. So that is all we have. I hope everybody has a fun and safe entrance into 2021. Let's leave 2020 behind us. It has not been a fun year for anybody. I think we're all ready to move past this. So as always, thank you guys for your feedback every week. Thank you guys for listening. We say it every week. If you made it this far, you're a trooper and we really appreciate it. Be sure to like and share uh, our podcast, any content that we put out about it, uh, share it, let everybody hear it. Tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your dad. Uh, I've gotten some emails this week saying we are now available on a couple new uh, platforms. As always, anchor.fm backslash Sticks and Stones Sports on Spotify at Sticks and Stones Sports as well. We are now on Breaker, uh, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. So go check those out. Uh, like I said, we should be available on most things. I'm not 100% sure about Apple Podcasts, but if you made it this far, please do us a favor. Like I said, share this, tell your friends, tell everybody. We always appreciate it. Uh, next time we speak with you guys, it will be 2021. We will talk some New Year's resolutions. We will talk the college football championship. And until then, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.